think at this point, the line is now like a, a $10 billion or $100 billion company. I think the expectations are going up with the fund sizes and we're seeing bigger and bigger venture funds. And I think that's that's the kind of the, the, the difference for me between a, a PE or a, a different type of investor and a, and a venture investor is the risk level and the return that's expected. Um, a 2x return is not at all something that you can raise money on. Welcome to Clean Tech Forward, a foresight podcast where we explore clean tech customers, capital, and Canada's path to net zero. Tune in to learn more about Canada's most exciting clean tech startups, industry success stories, investor insights, and academic initiatives as we accelerate the growth and impact of clean tech together. This Clean Tech Forward podcast is supported by Gowling WLG. A global leader in intellectual property law, Gowling WLG works alongside Canadian clean tech companies to develop IP strategies that maximize business opportunities and increase market share while protecting valuable innovation. From idea to investment to international expansion, Gowling WLG understands the potential of your intellectual property at every stage of growth. Visit gowlingwlg.com backslash cleantech to learn how they can support your business today. Welcome to Clean Tech Forward. I'm Jeanette Jackson, CEO of Foresight Canada. Today on Clean Tech Forward, Jason Switzer, Director of Carbon Next, and his co-host Marty Reed of Evoke Innovations sit down with Carly Anderson of Prime Movers Lab to discuss the ways entrepreneurs can pitch investors. This panel of clean tech investors share what they look for in a business and entrepreneurs, the changing expectations of investors, and how to develop the perfect pitch. I'm Jason Switzer, the host of the Capital Investment Stream of the Clean Tech Forward podcast. Today I'm joined by my co-host Marty Reed of Evoke Innovations and Carly Anderson of Prime Movers Lab. Carly, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your own journey into investing in clean tech? Thanks, Jason. So for me, it all comes back to using technology to make the world better. Um, I actually started off in the commercial nuclear industry, so literally draining old nuclear power plants so they would make more megawatts of power. Um, also did some like lab development in, in water chemistry and corrosion prevention, some really sexy stuff. Uh, and I was actually in a nuclear plant uh, in March 2011, which is when uh, the Fukushima Dakai accident happened. And the attitude towards nuclear kind of did a 180 overnight. We were under, undergoing a bit of a nuclear renaissance. Uh, and all of a sudden, people really weren't interested in advanced nuclear technologies anymore. So I moved out west, <laughs> went back to grad school at uh, UC Berkeley, uh, studied chemical engineering again, a lot of advanced materials, battery cathodes, thermoelectrics, a lot of real cool projects on that space, also some low temperature plasma, uh, and got really into the startup scene. I, I was feeling like uh, all the really cool technologies weren't making it out of university. Uh, so after, after grad school, I joined a startup called Mosaic Materials, working towards uh, more efficient gas separations and direct air capture. Uh, and through interactions with just a ton of amazing entrepreneurs in the space, looked around and said, wow, now there's all these companies. Maybe that that's not the bottleneck. It's getting resources to these companies. Uh, and so uh, as, as luck would have it, I, I came across Prime Movers Lab through another entrepreneur that we funded uh, about two years ago. And ever since then, I've, I've had the, the great pleasure of talking or pouring coffee for great people, uh, the entrepreneurs we, we meet and fund uh, changing the world in energy, climate tech and infrastructure. That's amazing. Thank you. 
Marty, you're, you've got an amazing journey yourself. I mean, you started out with one of the kind of early dot-com success stories, right? Can you tell us a bit about your own journey into clean tech? Yeah, and I am your kind of classic Silicon Valley startup junkie who who was a bit of a jack of all trades, master of none. And so found my way there shortly after undergrad, did a number of startups, mostly in software and tech. And 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 in the late 90s, found myself at Ask Jeeves, which uh, for anyone old enough to remember was the number one search engine in the world. We were surpassed by another company at some point. I'll, I'll remember the name of that search engine, but um, it was a heck of a ride, uh, you know, sort of cut my teeth and, and really saw what it meant to scale. Um, and then did a couple more venture back startups in the Valley before making the transition over to, to climate when I joined the Rota Group, uh, which was a kind of a, a boutique firm based in Berkeley, founded by two partners, Roger and Dan, uh, who had a great entrepreneurial background themselves. Uh, and we made the commitment to exclusively focus on climate. And so uh, it just so happened the first investment that I led was a, a company based up here in Vancouver called Inventus, now known as Savante, which is doing carbon capture. So kind of coming full circle. Um, and then, yeah, made the decision to, to launch Evoke and come up here and to sort of close the square of the circle, if you will, uh, we are an investor in Mosaic as a believer in hard tech and getting uh, early stage innovation out of universities. And so that's where I met Carly. Uh, and to this day, we continue to be an investor there. Um, but those are the types of you know, fundamental breakthroughs in science uh, and engineering that, that get us excited. Let me take it back to a little bit about venture investing. And, and, you know, most of us, when we think about starting a business, you know, we find some friends and family to help us get going. Maybe we take a loan out from the bank. We're putting a store or restaurant, maybe raising some money to uh, build out a, an office supply business, a conventional business. But venture capital looks for something different. Maybe you guys can help us understand a bit what the difference is between a kind of equity investor versus uh, a VC? I would certainly say most, most venture firms are primarily focused on sort of core intellectual property creation. So what, what are you creating that really is inherently new? And it doesn't always have to be sort of a patent. It can be business model innovation, you know, the sort that we saw from a solar city as an example back in the day or an Uber but inherently intellectual property is its core, at the core, and it can scale massively. And, and we think about how do we solve multi-multi-billion dollar problems in the sort of upside and downside of that is the downside is by definition, we're taking sort of enormous risk. And so depending on who you ask, if they're being honest, a significant percentage of our portfolios will fail. We may, you know, of course, call them exits, but, you know, we may have sold a company for $4 and, you know, and a free cup of coffee, but we'll, we'll count it. But there's a pretty high failure rate in venture. And so when founders come to us and talk about an IRR, you know, hey, you can invest a dollar today and then get out seven tomorrow sort of thing. I, I, I completely ignore all of that. And I, for one, never look at financial models at this stage. It really is binary for me. If this works, will it fundamentally change the world? And if yes, then the outcome will be big enough to sort of generate the type of return that we need. Um, but we are not, I don't use Excel. 
How about that? And so I'm not using Excel to build out a discounted cash flow model on a startup. I just, I just don't believe in it. Uh, I, I stick to that. Again, big picture. If this works, will it change the world? And if yes, we'll, we'll, we'll make a nice return out of it. Carly's laughing at me. So um, my heart just broke as an engineer. <laughs> Said you won't use Excel. I'm like no. Um, but yeah, a lot of I, I feel like there, there's a lot of truth in that. And also, I do really want to see the pathway to how you become a. I think at this point, the line is now like a, a ten billion or a hundred billion dollar company. I think the expectations are going up with the fund sizes, and we're seeing bigger and bigger venture funds. And I think that's that's the kind of the, the difference for me between a, a PE or a, a different type of investor and a, and a venture investor is the risk level and the return that's expected. Um, a 2x return is not at all something that you can raise money on. You have to be able to either show, I, I want to see the hockey stick graph. I know Marty doesn't care about Acceler charts, but you know some, some sort of story for how this becomes a, a business that generates, um, it changes billions of lives and also generates massive revenue in that process. I guess I should say we'll use Excel to build out a techno-economic analysis model or do some energy mass balance, but, but we're not doing discounted cash flow models. And I'll argue anything they taught you at business school is probably not useful in, uh, in what we do on a daily basis. Okay. My heart is whole now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm of course, I went to business that... school, so I, I probably shouldn't criticize my own education, but I will take engineering skills over MBA skills uh, just about any day of the week. Well, it's great that you guys both have experience being across the table. I mean, with this podcast, we're really trying to create that that feeling so that the listener knows what it's like for the entrepreneur to get in front of a couple seasoned VCs and and make that uh, pitch that hopefully leads to some sort of uh, financial support or other kinds of support. But you both have been on the other side of the table. Carly, what's that experience like kind of getting in front of investors and, and telling a story? Oh man, it, it feels like a roller coaster. You, know, you come in very excited and you come out maybe very excited. Maybe you're like, I totally, I totally whiffed that one. Um, it's, it's very opaque. You're, you're like, oh, they smiled. I, I think they liked it. Or, oh, that guy asked really good questions. They must've been really into it. Or, uh, you know, she was looking out the window the whole time. And it's often like really hard to know what's actually happening. You know, maybe a day later, maybe a week later, maybe you never hear from them again. And you're like, okay, well, and now I have my answer. Um, but it's, it's, it's a bit of a roller coaster. So anything we can do to help, um, help show what it's like on both sides of the table, because we're all humans. And, and at the end of the day, I think we all are here for the right reasons in climate tech. It's one of my favorite parts of working in this sector. Thank you for sharing that. Marty, were you going to say something? Yeah, I'm just, I'm reflecting on my entrepreneurial journey. I, I think my first pitch uh, in a startup lasted all of five minutes before the, the VC I was pitching to just said, nope, and, and left. And uh, I said, well, that, uh, that didn't go well. Um, and, you know, I, I've probably pitched as many times as I've been pitched. If I just think back to my sort of long track record, uh, which maybe gives you an indication of my success rate. Uh, and so if you, uh, you know, I think to Carly's point, there's still, even in today's day and age with social media and, you know, just a ton of content out there, I think there's still just enormous misconceptions and, and just sort of a lack of, you know, sort of how we engage and operate. And 
certainly hope that we can come up with uh, a series of podcasts here that, that sh uh, you know, shine a bit of light. Um, and if that helps the entrepreneur, that's great. And then, hey, selfishly, if Carly and I then uh, hear better pitches, hey, even even better. And I'm just excited to talk to some of these companies. Like, it sounds like a great set we've got lined up. Yeah, great group of entrepreneurs and this first group that you'll be hearing from are in uh, primarily in carbon capture, conversion or utilization and, and sequestration or storage. And it's a very exciting time in that space as we're going to hear. We have a, a rock star uh, venture, one that uh, recently secured a, a long-term purchase agreement from one of the tech companies that's in the business now of, of procuring negative emission credits. Um, which is a whole new and exciting area that's that's making it possible for some of these companies to commercialize. But maybe let's talk about the uh, investment decision making process. What are the one or two things that you look for, Carly, when you're when you're hearing a pitch? I think one of the first things we look for, which may not be immediately obvious, is uh, real grit and resilience on the entrepreneur's part. So it's it's always easier if it's somebody who's done this before, right? Because they know how hard the journey is going to be and they know what it's going to take. But um, for, for the newer entrepreneurs, just somebody who's really engaged in the sector, has gone very deep, has reasons to be there, you know, is, is willing to, to lean in and do whatever it takes and be a resource magnet. Uh, so that's number one is, is, is the founder themselves. And then on the, the other thing we're looking for for me is something that can scale really rapidly. Um, and that's not just because there's this urgent need out there in the world, but in terms of being able to generate VC returns, we need stuff that you don't have to wait to, to de-risk five different touch points. Um, the more things that you can pull together off the shelf or from existing businesses um, or you know, stamp out through new manufacturing techniques or you know, get non-dilutive uh, you know, funding, to, to help scale the better. And how about you, Marty? Do you invest in the people, the technology, the unaddressed market? What, what's, what's the secret sauce for you? Yeah, and I'll say a couple things. So first off, for entrepreneurs, understand that it, there are so many filters and sort of reasons behind the scenes that there are tough to kind of know going in. So when you get an inevitable no, it doesn't mean that that we don't believe in your business. It just means that for whatever reason, today is not the right time. And, you know, funds, you know, we operate in a, in generally in a, a bit of a cycle ourselves. We raise a fund, we've got a set period to deploy. We want to sort of build a diverse portfolio within there. Uh, depending on who our limited partners are, we may need to shape that a bit. And, and so, there's literally a, a thousand reasons why a deal might not be a good fit, even if it's a great business. Um, and so that's that's the first just to understand. And so it, I, I always feel a little bad when I get this email back from a founder or feedback from a founder. It says, I was on your website and you it says you do energy transition. We're energy transition. And what I can't tell them or her is like, hey, we just did a deal in that space we haven't announced or, you know, for whatever reason, we're really looking to do a deal in Canada versus the U.S. for you know to try to balance a portfolio and get a hedge, and so that's just that's one important component of it. Um, the the other one I will say is you've really seen the recent rise of the momentum investor, and we will likely talk about that a bit in in this series. 
where a sector gets hot and all of a sudden everyone has to be in that sector. And, you know, cert certainly Silicon Valley and venture can be blamed for being, you know, a bit of a lemming uh, sort of culture, which, which at times is true. And, and I think you're seeing that in certain sectors of clean tech where for years, you know, no one wanted to, to come admit they were a clean tech investor and now everyone is claiming they're a clean tech investor. And so you can ride a momentum wave. The other though, is I think you have to be willing to make a contrarian bet and be right. So you can just time a market and sort of ride a wave of clean tech and, and, you know, and as long as that wave doesn't crash, you're in great shape. But where you really make the, my view, the, the true venture breakthrough returns is when you pick that sort of sector or team that just everyone else has looked at and can't quite get comfortable around, and you go in and then, then you prove successful and that's where you get those sort of outsized returns. And so don't get me wrong, we will invest in, space, in, in companies and sectors that are hot like everyone else, but we will very proactively try to make several contrarian bets that just for whatever reason, the rest of the venture community isn't looking at. Carly is, I mean, it, there's a competition now to find great companies, great startups, right? And Canada historically has been, been a bit underrepresented and all that. And we can talk about some of the reasons why, but is there anything that's unique about the prime mover model in terms of the, I don't know, the support you offer to entrepreneurs, how you guys structure a deal that, that is a differentiator and, and a reason that goes beyond just the, the term sheet for why an entrepreneur might want to engage with you? Well, clearly I'm biased, um, but I think we have a pretty great model. Yeah, I think it starts out on the science side where that is something that you know, we value and just there's a ton of respect in our firm for those scientists and technologists, engineers um, out there creating those breakthroughs. And that's reflected in our team. Uh, we have a pretty broad uh, technical team of PhDs just talented scientists and engineers uh, to review deals, source deals, talk to people, engage with other people in the community and try to educate everybody, you know, as many people who are willing to listen to our blogs and web webinars and whatever else we do. Um, we also have a pretty broad uh, portfolio or operations side to link early stage entrepreneurs with uh, help in, in talent in uh, branding and marketing, which is becoming ever more important in government relations, which is now critical for getting grants and non-dilutive funding um, and, and a host of other uh, secondary skill sets, which you don't have when you have like a two person or a five person team. So we really lean into trying to help teams grow because uh, it is getting a lot more competitive out there. Um, I think groups in Canada, especially it can be helpful to have investors who are very involved uh, in the US, U.S. ecosystem who know other investors and who are willing to provide that support. I think there's a lot to, there's a lot of good things going on in Canada, especially in the non-dilutive funding space um, in the just access to talent, access to real world engineering skills, things like that, that make us excited about, about Canadian companies. So th that's, that's my hot take on, on both of those kind of questions. How would you respond to that, Marty? What's the unique sauce that Evoke brings to the table? And, you know, what are some of the challenges that you're trying to see overcome in the Canadian market? Yeah, and certainly a couple of things, but it absolutely starts with the fact that uh, all of the partners at Evoke have been entrepreneurs. We've built successful businesses. And, and our argument is it's, it's tough to be a really valuable board member if you haven't 
at least been for some period of time an entrepreneur and understand kind of what that looks like. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty big part of it. The other is, and this goes to that sort of contrarian comment I made earlier, we are unapologetically focused on industrial and utility scale hard tech. Now we, we do like digitally enabled and we will do, you know, some software, but we are most comfortable where there's a hardware component, you know, and that's rare. You know, if you go down Sand Hill Road, there's, I don't know what the number is, but a thousand VCs for which 900 of them prefer software. Uh, and so just, just by that alone, we differentiate ourselves a, a fair bit. And then we are split US Canada. So we've got two partners here in Canada, two in the US. Um, we view Canada as an unbelievable resource for technical talent. Um, it's frankly one of the things though that is keeping me up at night just as we think about growth, just the war on for talent and how do we attract and retain the best and brightest is, is I think the number one challenge all of us are facing, especially uh, in sort of this, this economy right now. And that's whether you're in the US or in Canada. And so while we've got, I think, great opportunities here, you know, the other way we differentiate ourselves with this cross-border, I, I want to be cautious of making broad statements, but generally companies, if they really want to break through at full scale, will will want to syndicate with investors outside of Canada. And that's something that because of our experience, uh, because of our partners in the US, we've got, you know, great networks down there. And so I think we've now syndicated with, I think it's 40 firms for which I think 38 of those are outside of Canada, just to, to kind of frame, you know, sort of the, where we play and who we co-invest with. Maybe just adding on to that, uh, physical location is just becoming less and less important, at least for us as we look at deals, uh, especially with you know, the last two years in COVID. We are, we are an entirely remote team, so we are everywhere. And especially in North America, it's really easy as long as the time zones kind of match up. And I'll even get up early for calls, so it's fine. Uh, so that's, I think, something that's changed a lot that's been just really cool to see is, is that um, like you don't have to be on Sand Hill Road to start a great company, raise a huge round, be a breakout success. Next week, our panel of investors will be back again talking to Scott Jenkins of ZS2 Technologies. The three will hear Scott's pitch, chat with him about his technology, and hear about what he has learned on his entrepreneurial journey. We'll see you there. To learn more about Foresight's programs, events, and more, visit us at foresightcac.com or follow us on social at foresightcac.com.